we, we are an international church, even in COVID. Okay, brother. brother. Thank you. Talo for lover. Momo and Fat Fong living in Galea Malona Lofa Malanga Angalea Tate Mato. First, I just want to give God the glory and give thanks for His goodness that we can meet here together. You know, what Indian said, we're in, we're in COVID. We're, we're one of the lucky ones in the world. Um, and I just want to honour, this is what Samoans do, when we uh, address an audience, we honour the people who have helped us got here, get here. So I want to, as much as she'll um, dislike it, um, honour my wife. I'm not going to say too much about her. She's awesome. Natalie, she's sitting down in the back corner. Um, and I've got two kids, Ruben. He's 13, and Gianna, she's 11. They're down the back. That's where we kind of hang out, so no one can see us. Um, but yeah, my wife's a teacher. She's a high school teacher, and she started this year at the uh, the youth prison. So she's doing a, she's doing a great job there. I, I knew she would because um, she's been married to me for 18 years, and basically that, that's how I've prepared her for that role. I was like, you know, if... Babe, I'm going to annoy you so much. You're going to be used to this, and you're going to be good. Give you strategies how to deal with difficult people. <laughs> um, yes. Where am I? Okay, also got extended family here. Um, Matt and Jenny, guys, some, some of you know them, and Nat's sister, Michelle, and her husband, Dan, as well. I want to acknowledge them. And as well as the leadership team here, um, thank you so much for welcome us, welcoming us in. Um, Hannah and Dre and the elders. Um, also want to honour the older generation here too. You know, God is a God of generations, right? He's, he is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You know, generations. So thank you. As this ch- church has grown, you have not moved away. You know, <laughs> thank you for staying, uh, even though the louder ones have come in, um, because we need you. We need your experience. We need your wisdom. Um, I'm looking over here because that's where they normally sit, the cool people. One day I want to sit here, but I know there's some down, down there as well. Sweet. Um, and I love this place because it's multicultural as well. Um, I've learned so much about the, the South African culture. Um, I was, <laughs> Dre says, um, learn from your mistakes and other people's mistakes. So I'm going to share... <laughs> um, I turned up to my first braai with some sausages. They weren't the circle twirly-whirly ones. They were beef-flavoured. And um, I turned up to the host. I'm not going to name names. He's a dear friend. We've forgiven each other and we've got over this now. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, that, there's a, that's where the meat goes, over there. And I went to take it over and I opened up what was the meat thing. And it was the bin. And he goes, yeah, yeah, no, we don't even feed that to our animals, that kind of beef-flavoured stuff. So, but yeah, I love it. I love it. Love learning about the bride. I know now, so now you know. So don't make that mistake. It, it's my love for you. Um, and today I'm going to talk about a subject that's very dear to me. Um, does that work? Yeah. Forgiveness. Um, and it's one that's, you know, constant. You know, you, you start with your journey with God, you learn about forgiveness, and then you kind of like, yeah, I'm good God, I'm good on my own, doing my thing, and you forget about it, and that's me. So I'm going to share about that, but before I do that, I'm going to pray. 
Uh, thank you, God, uh, for this people, your people. I just really pray that this morning as, as I speak, hopefully your words, um, that your word would seep um, deep down into our hearts and that your work would be done, that your forgiveness would um, touch our hearts, Lord. And, and even as I'm speaking, Lord, that you would bring to mind people um, in, in each of our lives that uh, require our forgiveness, that need our forgiveness, um, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I don't know about you, but I love a good uh, reno- t- renovation TV program. It's, it's kind of funny that we're talking about, you know, um, building this morning. It's one of my favorites, The Block. It's where a group of four kind of couples get together. It's a bit of madness, but they turn an old building, um, they renovate it, and they turn it into a new building. Um, another one is this guy, George Clarkson, one of my favorites. Um, he interviews and goes and watch people who are, are renovating interesting kind of buildings, like this caravan. You know, you can see that the sink and all the plumbing's put in, and, and someone's living in there. And sometimes they're tree houses. And sometimes they're boats, yeah. But my favourite part is uh, the before and after kind of photos. You can see what these people have done here. You know, a bit of painting. Um, looks like they put doors in the, on that left-hand side so all the light can flood in. Here's another one. Fresh paint. Hides a multitude of old paint. Uh, and here we go here as well kind of get the idea. So we um, purchased our first home in 2009 in a place called Tapuki. We've lived all over the place. Um, and place we bought our first home, Tapuki, um, it was kind of like a 1950s kind of place, pretty run down, 1,100 square uh, metres section and 110 house, three-bedroom uh, one bathroom place, and we bought it for two hundred and seventy-eight thousand. Wow! Yeah, it's it's over double that now. Um, but yeah, we were excited when we bought that. We moved in. We're like, yes, it's awesome. This is us. Um, you know, we loved it. Settled in, but after a while, um, we kind of found that the rooms and things like that weren't, weren't didn't quite fit to how we wanted to live. Um, and we, we wanted to put our own stamp on the place. So we got renovating. And by we, I, I actually mean Nat. Because I don't really have a renovating bone in my body. Um, we just didn't do that. Um, but she was great. You know, her parents taught how to do, do everything, the lot. I was good at um, making cupcakes. You see those cupcakes you had? I made those. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> um... You know, I was more good at using a glue gun, you know, for crafts, arts and crafts. I was kind of, kind of really good at doing that. Um, but Nat was doing all the real, real work. Um, anyways, I'm securing myself. Lord Jesus, thank you. You love me. Please forgive these people who are judging me. <laughs> Moving on. We've made a plan. Stripped the wallpaper. Got rid of the carpets. There's like four layers of wallpaper. Um, and we had to get a new roof because we put, we put our head through the kind of manhole in the ceiling. 
There's all this light coming through. It's like daylight up there. Um, and we, we put a new deck in because um, the old deck was kind of not permitted and not safe. Um, oh, here's, here's a picture of our old deck and a new deck. We loved it. You can see little Ruben and Gianna sitting on that deck as well. That was an awesome time, you know, when it was done. It smelt nice. New paint, new curtains, new carpets, so soft. Um, but the process to get there, it's actually really painful, you know. There's a lot of sanding. Put some more paint on, you sand again. Oh, I hate painting now. But if um, I have to do that for the church building, I will lay down my life, you know. <laughs> Cupcakes, yes. Uh, anyways, the process was, yeah, it was, it was hard. And it's very, very similar to when God moves into our lives. You know, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, he moves in, literally moves in. We, and it's awesome, it's great. We become this new creation, and we can, we, we can hear God's voice. So, so early on in that, in that process, that in salvation, we're like, oh, God, you're so close to me. Thank you for saving me. And that burden is kind of gone. Um, but after a while, things started to get a bit different, you know. Things kind of get a bit confusing. Um, you know, these scriptures start coming to my first is last, last is first. It's like, oh, what? I was kind of used to just getting my, getting my stuff first. You're saying that I have to do some other things? Um, where am I? Yeah, and... Yeah, it's all a bit confusing, and the more I learn and grow in God, the kind of less I feel I know about Him. And the things I used to do in my old life start fading away. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm prone to righteousness, not prone to sin. Because God's changed me, and I'm a new person. And I start thinking, you know, what's happening? God's moved in. He's checking the foundations. He's checking what the walls are made of. He's checking the roof, the insulation. And he's wanting to find out whether this place, this house, can handle the amount of blessing he wants to pour out on it. Because we've all seen people who have reached kind of sudden fame and fortune. Got, and, and they've ended up in self-destruction because they couldn't handle that sudden... Like We've all seen kind of lottery winners, right? Most of them, not all of them, a lot of them end up in that same place. They haven't been grown into blessing, into wealth. God doesn't want that to happen for us. He wants us to handle that pressure. And he wants to put his own stamp on on the house. So he enjoys living in it. When God moves in, he starts imagining and forming a plan of what's possible. And then he puts the renovation plan in, into action. You know, I used to think that when God comes into my life, he'll just make things easier. You know? I think it'll be sweet sailing from here. I've accidentally kind of treated God as like a all-you-can-eat kind of buffet table. You know, I'll rock up and I'll be like, yeah, I'll take that. Bit of meat there, bit of steak, bit of chicken. In case anyone's watching, I'll put a piece of green salad um, and it's like that with God, you know. I will take, I will receive, 
Lord is, is, is Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I am getting into heaven. But the Lord of my life part, oh, maybe I'll take a little bit for now. So if anything, things get really messy. They can get painful, kind of like my home renovation. And while the before and afters are, are great, God's really into the transformation process. He loves it. And he's doing that in our lives. It's, it's a work that's starting from the inside out. We look like him on the outside. We've been created in his image, and he's come to create us like him on the inside. Jesus wants lordship over my whole life. He wants lordship over all the rooms. You know, the good rooms, the fun times, our family, friends, our hobbies. Um, what's this next one? You know, time, gaming. We've got gamers in here. Yeah, yep. Don't have to nod your head. It's all right. I know who you are. Finances. He wants to be Lord over our finances. Um, there could be hidden rooms in our lives. You know, blind spots that, that we've never seen before. He wants to reveal these things to us. And may, maybe this hallway leads to rooms of hurt and pain you've experienced. Betrayal, fear, sickness, disappointment. Sin. This could be a place in your life where you've built a fortress around. You know, super thick walls, locks that no one can pick. You, you probably don't even go into this room. So many rooms in our lives that God wants to step into and do life with us because it's not for, for condemnation, but for good reason. Because his word says, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. Jesus himself knocks on all these doors. And if we hear his voice, he'll come in and have fellowship with us. The Amplified Version says he will restore us. He wants this intimate relationship with us. You know, in Matthew seven twenty one twenty three, he says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons, performed many miracles, but I reply, I never knew you. You know, God wants to know us intimately. Even the, the hard bits, the tricky bits, the hidden bits, he wants it all. And uh, this, this morning, I'm... I'm really going to explore this uh, room of forgiveness. I'm going to explain what Jesus says about forgiveness, what it is, what it isn't, benefits for us, why forgive, and what actually happens when you don't. And yeah, some of the things will be a reminder, some might be new, but yeah, my prayer is, is that it will bring you life. Cool, so what is forgiveness. It's important to know what forgiveness is and, and I think a great starting point is to discover what we're doing when we forgive people. 
And because if we don't have that truth um, about forgiveness, we can be locked in bondage. You know, his word says the truth will set us free. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump into Matthew. Uh, where are we? I've got it up here, but it is quite small. I did this at home and brought it here. and Yeah, smaller than I thought, but I'll, I'll read it as well. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 21 to 35. It's a long passage. 21. Later, Peter approached Jesus and says, How many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer? Who keeps offending me? Seven times? It's almost as if he's asking, is that the minimum amount I have to do? 22. Jesus answered, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's realm, heaven's kingdom realm, can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him $1 billion, this Passion Translation. So he summoned his servant before him and said to him, Pay me what you owe me. When his servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave, along with his wife and children, every, and every possession they owned as a payment toward his debt. Servant threw himself face down his master's feet, begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me one more time and I'll repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him, forgave his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, you better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, please be patient with me. If you'll just give me time, I'll repay you all that's owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused. To forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged. Went to the king, told him the whole story. King said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In in a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until his debt was repaid. In the same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart towards your fellow believer. Okay, so firstly, we see that even before Jesus starts teaching on forgiveness, we have Peter coming to him on the down low in private, asking him, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer? Just pause right there. This is a huge key right here. Peter is asking Jesus, um, and it's super simple. We might even miss it. This is where forgiveness begins. Um, it's by acknowledging that an offence has actually been committed. Sounds super simple, but the recognition of of that offence could be the thing that tips you over to actually forgive someone. Because sometimes it can seem like it's like a character uh, flaw. Like, oh, oh, do I feel that way? 
But the truth is, you don't have to feel guilty for being human. That's the cool thing about Peter, right? He's always asking those questions that we're thinking. We're thinking them and too afraid to ask. That's what I like about Peter. In verse 21, we see that Peter is is acknowledging he's been offended. Not only that, he's been offended by a fellow believer. Personally, I think it's John. John's the guy who talks himself up, you know, the one who Jesus loves. The one who Jesus loves is a faster runner than that other disciple. Made it to the tomb, tomb quicker. Anyways... And in the following verses, we see how Jesus, we see what Jesus' perception on how forgiveness is and how it works. Um, In this story, it's basically a debt that's unrepayable. I don't know about you, but I don't have a billion dollars. And in Matthew 6, verse 12, as he's teaching his disciples how to pray, He teaches them to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, my line of work as a a mortgage broker, as a lender, I have to understand how debt works. You know, whether people can afford to repay it back with their income or if they have to sell their property for whatever reason, that they've put enough deposit in so when they do sell, they can repay the debt. A debt is something owed to us. Every wrong produces an indebtedness that we feel. Have you ever heard the phrase, you owe me an apology? If I've offended you, then I've created a debt that I'm obligated to pay. And you probably want to make sure that I'm penalised appropriately. The punishment fitting the crime and you probably hope to receive some sort of satisfaction when I'm punished. However, but for, for you to f- forgive me, you not also have to release that obligation, but any satisfaction that you think you'll gain from me being punished. Forgiveness means you must release what you are owed and not give your offenders what they deserve. Forgiveness acknowledges the debt, but you are choosing, it's a choice, to cancel it. This is the essence of forgiveness, releasing the other person's debt. Let's look at an example. I'm going to get Dre up here. I'm going to pick on Dre, because he keeps, uh, yeah, I know, he keeps picking on my mate Horatio. Horatio, you can stand there. Okay, let's say, oh, where am I? Let's say I borrow a massive amount of money from Dre. I don't have a rope or anything, but uh, until I repay the debt, sweet, thank you, we are basically tied. Yeah, I'm gonna, I've got an invisible rope, I'm going to tie it around him, I'm holding the rope. It's, it's, a, it's a Bluetooth rope. <laughs> You can't see it? Um, there we go. And we are tied because whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. 
whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So we are tied. There is a contract. It can be formal or unri- it can be written. We can write something else, make it, make it legal. But either way, there's a contract there. Uh, and it's not released. It's not released until he pays me everything. Thanks, Dre. You've paid it. <laughs> but what if the debt is so huge I can't repay it? What if it's a priceless item and I, and I lose it? I can't pay that back ever. You might be holding on to debt caused by an offence, hoping that one day you'd collect and gain some sort of satisfaction. Unfortunately, that is deception. And the root of deception, you don't, you don't know what's happening. And you'll, you'll never get enough satisfaction back to ever pay that back. You know, Joyce Meyer says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking the other person is going to die. The only way for you to be free is to release the debt. And in releasing the debt, you are releasing your tie to the debtor, and the result is freedom. Got this guy here. But the cool thing is, you're not just releasing them to, yeah, to nowhere. You're releasing them into the hands of Jesus. Forgiveness means, oh, did you see that? Romans 12, 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Have you ever thought you might be getting in the way of God's justice process? Because you are attempting to do God's job through your own vengeance. You know, as we've seen through that example before, um, when we hang on to the offence, we are attaching ourselves to that person. As long as we hang on to it and refuse to release it, we are deciding that we want to do God's job. We, we become God. Because in, in that verse, leave room for God. If you're standing there, there's no room. And it becomes an issue of trust. Do we trust God to be the righteous judge and deal with it? You won't be letting anyone off the hook. You'll just be transferring that person to God's hook. Reconciliation, I'm going to touch on this. uh, Because forgiveness is part of this process. And it's the ministry that God has given us. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is our ministry. And basically reconciliation can be defined as a relationship that is restored. And funnily enough, uh, these verses that I'm going to read out are placed just before Jesus has that conversation with Peter. You know, and it kind of reinforces that fact of forgiveness and re- reconciliation are intertwined. Um, but just a note, while forgiveness is necessary, reconciliation is not. I'll come back to that later on, but I'll read from Matthew 18. Got your Bibles still open. Verses 15 to 17. So this is Jesus's 
version of reconciliation in the church. Okay, 15. If your brother or sister sins, go, point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. If they have not listened, take one or two others so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. It's pretty simple. Start with verse 15. If you have an issue with a person, if they sin against you, go to them, right? Right, go to that person. We don't go to our friends, our crew, and we tell them about it, and we spread the not good news about that person. Or we don't post it on Facebook. That's, that's another option that I've seen out there. But this is where we look into healthy confrontation. Put your hand up if you love confrontation. Confrontation. Healthy confrontation. I don't, I don't really enjoy confrontation. Um, but there, there is a good way and a bad way. If it de- all depends what your goal is. If you are going to that person with the ministry of reconciliation in your mind, in your heart, then you are going to approach them in a certain way. If you have, man, that person hurt me, I'm, I'm, going, to get, I'm going to get some back. I'm going to hurt them. The goal is very different. The goal is to get pain back. And that will not lead to the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, verse 16. So yeah, 15 doesn't work. We go to 16. If they will not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Okay, so I used to read this verse like this. You people are my crew. Let's say I've got some beef with Warren because he's got a cooler beard than me. And all those people over there, they're his crew. It's basically my crew versus you and your crew. But if we have the ministry of reconciliation in our hearts, we, we are going there with the goal to reconcile. And when we meet together, we're going to bring someone from the middle, Nikki, someone who we both trust, someone who we both value, someone who has done this process before, and she is going to mediate between us. It's not a us versus them, it's we're all in this together. Okay, if that doesn't work, 17. Tell it to the church. So where are you accountable to? Where do you serve? We have elders, we have church leaders here who can provide advice and guidance. This process is tricky. So we need wisdom and we need guidance. If that doesn't work, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, a non-believer, basically. How do we treat them? We forgive them anyway, right? We forgive them anyway because that's how we got into the kingdom. Okay. Going back to the statements of forgiveness is required and reconciliation is not. 
So sometimes reconciliation is just not possible. The person may have passed on. They might live in another country, and you just can't reach them. And you also have to be mindful that people's communication skills are not able to articulate or understand what you're trying to achieve. And in, in that, uh, the example is me and, and my parents. They are Samoan. They are straight from Samoa. They have an accent, um, and they have limited English. And um, there was one time when I missed my dad's birthday. Um, everyone went there, and, and I missed it. We didn't have any money. We couldn't afford um, to, to drive down to where they were. And I got this phone call from my dad going, you're a terrible son. I never want to talk to you again. You are not my son. And, I, and all I was, I was like, oh, it was early in the morning. I was like, hey, hey whoa, what's going on? Hey, dad. What? And, he, and that's all he said to me. And um, I said, hey, dad, you know what? I love you. It's okay. I love you. Don't, don't worry. doesn't matter what you say. I'll, I'll always love you. And he doesn't have the articulate, you know, he doesn't have the words to describe his feelings. All it is was pain. He was just sending pain my way. Um, and part of that was tricky to deal with at the time. But over time, he's seen what I've been doing with my life. And he's, and he's come to go, oh, he did that for a reason. He did that for a person, for purpose. And now we, our relationship is awesome. It's the, it's the best it's ever been. Last thing I want to say about reconciliation is it's really important to God. Super important. While it's not always achievable, it's really important. Um, so important, he's almost implying that it's more important than your worship. Matthew 5, 23-24. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter a place of worship, about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back, work things out with God. Boom. Okay, I got a true or false question for you. Forgiving means you have to trust the person. Is this true? Hands up for true? No? Hands up for false? Yeah, nice. Because... Trust is the foundation of every relationship, right? When trust is broken, proper boundaries need to be put in place to ensure you're not hurt again. Forgiveness, once again, is required, but trust is earned. You know, for example, if I'm walking home from work, decide to take a shortcut through an alleyway, I get mugged and beaten up down that alleyway the next day, walking home, Am I going to go down that alleyway again? No. I'd be silly to. However, in saying that, if you want a relationship with that person, say it a friend, spouse, family, you do need to provide opportunities to allow trust to be earned back. And gradually those boundaries can be brought down again where you are close again. Okay, I'm just going to read out some things that forgiveness is not to just to bust any myths out there. Forgiveness doesn't remo- remove or delete the offense from our lives. 
Forgiveness doesn't mean that you go into denial, forget this ever happened. It is not wiping this event from your life, glossing over the wrongs others did. Forgiveness will not erase your memory clean. Forgiveness doesn't declare that what the offenders did is now okay. Forgiveness does not conceal the seriousness of the hurt that the offense caused. But what forgiveness does do is it removes the power of that memory over your life. Okay, almost finished. I'm just going to tell you my story of forgiveness. Um, When I was about six or seven years old, I was sexually abused. And if we go back to that room analogy, it was a room of hurt, pain. It was basically that vault that you saw. But on the outside, it had been plastered over really badly. I had erased it from my memory. And it wasn't until about when I was 20 that God started to knock on the store. And, and it wasn't until I was about 24 um, that God, God really intervened and he encountered and he came and he healed in his power. Um, Nat and I were, were away, just away from the kids for a bit. And um, I'd woken up, got to make some breakfast, turned the TV on. There's this guy preaching. He's preaching about forgiveness. And um, he, he had this kind of analogy about how they catch monkeys or something in Thailand. Um, they put this peanut down the bottom of this. At, at, the, at the top, the jar was thin. And down the bottom, it was a bit, bit bigger. So they had to put their hand in like that. And when the hand got to the nut, they, they went like that. And so it made their hand bigger so they couldn't pull it out. And he had this analogy of, hey, whatever you hold on to, it might be real tiny, but you could lose your life over it. So let it go. I was like, whoa, that's a cool message. Pity it doesn't apply to me. I was thinking this. The moment I thought it, I remembered a dream I had the night before. And it was a dream of my abuser coming to me begging me for forgiveness. I was like, whoa, what's happened? What's going on there? And leading up to this weekend, I had seen my abuser on TV. They'd won this, they'd won this award. And I was like, in, in my heart, every time that thing came on TV, I'd just flick the channel, just thought nothing of it. But in my heart, I said, I know what that person's done. They don't deserve that. And Bitterness was building. It was growing. And I didn't know it was, it was happening. And so Nat's around. I was like, oh, Nat, this, you know, this happened. And then this happened. I, I think God's speaking. She's like, yes, he is. You know, what should we do? She's like, let's pray. <laughs> um, so we pray. Um, and, I, and I just said, hey, God, thank you for speaking. You're always speaking. Um, in Jesus' name, I forgive this person. And I believe it. I confess it with my mouth and I believe it with my heart. And then all of a sudden, I feel this weight come over me. This, and I'm on the floor um, just weeping like I've never cried before. Never cried like this. It was wailing. And I could feel his love come in waves, powerful waves. 
and he was just pouring his love out on me. And then I heard his voice, and he said, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I could feel him. And then I heard his voice again. I love you, I love you, I love you. And when he, that finished, I was in the room. I was in a vision, and I was in the room where this happened to me. And God was there. And I said to him, where were you when this happened to me? And he said, Willie, I was there the whole time. Um, and, and I said, it hurt. It hurt me. And he goes, it hurt me too. This is how I felt. And he reached across his chest and kind of, it was like he pulled down armor or something, or his chest, and he revealed his heart. And his heart was in so much pain for me. And I was like, whoa, put that back. I can't handle that. And then all I, I heard his voice again. He said, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then I got up off the floor um, and I felt, I felt he- healed. I felt light. I felt his goodness. I understood that he loved me. And that encounter tr- started the process of transforming me in, into the person you see today. You know, prior to that, I could not communicate. You know, my, my in-laws met me prior to this moment and they were worried for, for their daughter. I, I would have been too. Um, but that moment for me, meeting God, hearing his voice, is it's like a well now that I go back to every time I feel down or, or, or whatever, you know, whatever. And I draw from it, and it refreshes, refreshes and restores my soul. Okay, I'm going to finish up now. Give the worship team up and play some sweet music in the background. I'm going to finish on this verse, John 20, 22 to 23. These are Jesus' words after his death and resurrection. He's starting to appear to his disciples. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And right here we have a throwback to the beginning of creation where God first breathed into the nostrils of man and he gave us life. Although in this case, Jesus is basically saying here, I'm breathing on you and this is how we do life now. If you forgive anyone, they're forgiven. If you don't, they're not. Jesus' death enabled him to get the keys of life back. One of the first commandments he says is, is he delegates this authority to us. He's giving us power to forgive. And it's a matter of our will not our emotion. You know, I love what what God does, you know. And I that encounter with him just helped is kind of enabled me to imagine you know, a planet where all wrongs have been forgiven. 
and we release God to do his justice. You know, imagine the rooms in our in our lives, what they would look like if we allow God in to renovate this area of forgiveness. What would happen to our marriages, our friendships, our neighborhoods, our cities, our nation? You know, I know I know what it looks like in heaven. But what would it look like right here, right now on earth as it is in heaven? That's the prayer. That's our hope. And it's our responsibility. And the crazy thing is it's available right now. It's within reach. You know, Jesus put it, the kingdom is at hand. And on that note, I'm going to pray. If you could all stand. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you died for us and released your forgiveness over us, over the planet, over our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that you would move in us this morning and begin some processes of of some journeys of forgiveness, Lord. And I pray that throughout this week you would continue to speak to us all. In Jesus' name, I'm going to hand over to Linda.